Today's livecast, so this week's livecast, I'm Jamie from Stillmeyer Games, and today I'm here as usual on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time to share some Stillmeyer Games news, some just minor news today, to answer any questions that you have that aren't spoiler questions, and to discuss some random topics. Uh, yeah, where to start today? Where to start? Let's start with some games I've been playing lately, just a fun way to, uh, to lead into the video here. Last week... At game night, we played a lot of trick-taking style card games. We played Starship, or Twinkle Starship. This was perhaps my favorite of the bunch. It does something really, really unique in that the um, the numbers on the cards are digital clock numbers, like, like this. And each player has these little segments that you can, when you play this card into a trick, I can actually change the number on this card. So I could change this 0 to an 8 by putting a segment on that card. Uh, I won't go into all the mechanisms. I have a video coming out about that, but I thought that was a really clever hook to a trick-taking game. Also played Mino Dice, which is a dice-driven version of Skull King, essentially. We played That's Not a Hat, which is kind of a silly party game, social game that we had fun with. A uh, slight memory aspect. And then we played the partnership trick-taking game Aurum, the must-not-follow trick-taking game. I have videos about all these. The game that I've been playing most, though, over the last weekend was definitely... Lorcana. I went to our local game store, Fortuna Games, and I picked up one of each of the starter decks. I stood in line, so there was a line out the door, which was awesome to see. Um, I got uh, one of each of the starter decks, and I got this trove, which comes with, with a bunch of booster packs inside. And Megan and I have been loving it and playing a lot of it. We each kind of have been figuring out our colors, and we'll play a game, and then we'll open another booster pack and add more cards to our deck. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with it. Good to see you all today. I see George, Chad, uh, Julie, Steve, Darian, Dan, Nathan, and Corey here today. Steve asked how Biddy is doing. Biddy was actually right up on my desk uh, before I started the video. He's been doing well, and he's been really asking to get up either on my desk a lot or out on the patio. But in St. Louis, it's been around 100 degrees this week, so we haven't been wanting him to stay out on the patio for too long. Um, so... If he's not there, he's been asking to get up on my desk. So he's doing okay. He's stable. Biddy, for those of you who don't know, Biddy is my older cat. And um, he is suffering from intestinal cancer right now. So he is somewhat at the end of his journey. And I'm just trying to make sure he is happy and comfortable and that his quality of life stays as high as it can be um, as he as he uh, kind of ends his journey here. So he's, uh, yeah, he's doing okay. Thank you for asking about, about Biddy. I appreciate that. Josh said a game that surprised him recently was Heat Pedal to the Metal from Days of Wonder, and it was a lot of fun. I'm glad he had fun with it, Josh. I got to try that recently for the first time at the Gamers Ranch a few months ago, and it didn't surprise me because I'd heard great things about it, but I was uh, happy to just play it for the first time and had a lot of fun with it, playing two different, two, two different courses. Yeah, I'm glad you got to try it. Really neat racing game. I'm actually going to play a racing game tomorrow. I have... Uh, Death Roads All-Stars. You can see it's still in shrink. I'm going to unshrink it and unbox it and unpack it today. I'm going to learn and play that tomorrow. And tonight is virtual game night on Board Game Arena, so I don't know what we're going to play yet tonight. Any suggestions? Anyone really enjoying anything on Board Game Arena recently that I should check out? I saw another comment or question there. Let's see. Garrett says, what are my thoughts on local game stores selling Lorcana for higher than MSRP? Sometimes even two times or higher than MSRP. Um, fortunately, Fortuna Games here in St. Louis just sold for MSRP. And here's my thoughts on it. 
uh, real briefly. So Gar well, I'll read Garrett's thoughts first. He says, is it just business or is it unethical considering that they bought it at wholesale prices? One argument I heard from a local is that people buying an MSRP are just going to flip and they want to keep the, the players local. I think that's a relevant uh, argument. I, I think quite a few people are actually just opening those packs and playing the game at the same time too, though, um, as, as we did. We, we weren't... We, in fact, I talked to some other people online too, and they were definitely not flipping those cards. They were definitely wanting to play the game. Um, so I kind of see that that for some people, for the collectors, but that definitely is not everyone. Part of me says, you know, it's capitalism. If you can sell a game, like MSRP is just a suggestion. If you can sell at a higher price, then you have the right to do so. But customers also have the right to refuse to pay that price. At the same time, I'm putting myself in the position of someone who was excited about getting Lorcana at a local store the other day. Um, I showed up at that local store to do it. I, I didn't order it online. I didn't pre-order it. I, I went to a store in the hopes of getting it. Um, and if I had shown up and Fortuna Games had said, you know, we're going to charge you $40 for that starter pack instead of, instead of $20, that would have been really disappointing. That, that would not have been fun. So putting myself in the shoes of other people who have maybe experienced that, who went to their local store to support that local store rather than buying online. Um, and buying online, not that it's, you know, ethically better or worse than buying local, but buying online, you know, they're, they're, you know, you can, you know the price, you can see the price, you can make that choice at that time rather than inconvenience yourself to go to the actual store. So if you are inconvenience yourself to go to the store and they surprise you with that higher price, I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's okay. So. I see both sides of it there, but as a consumer who showed up at a store to buy uh, Lorcana on Friday, that would have been really disappointing to see. Tyler says, how's the Stillmeyer polo shirt design coming along? This came up a few weeks ago. A bunch of people said, hey, why, why not make a Stillmeyer Games polo shirt so that people who want to look a little bit nicer when they wear a shirt that, uh, that has Stillmeyer Games pride on it, um, that they can do so. Tyler, we love the idea and we're actually pursuing it. Uh, it. We're looking at the shirt in early 2024. It takes a while to get these shirts to you know, pick the colors, pick the designs. We're going with the color, not quite like this. This is kind of a, a like an, an Irish green, I don't know what you call it that. It's more of a teal color that we thought looked good with the orange um, logo right over here, the, the Stillmeyer Games logo. So yeah, we are working on it, absolutely. Mike says he's enjoying uh, Forest Shuffle on Board Game Arena. You know, coincidentally, Mike, we have Forest Shuffle on the table right now. I haven't played it yet, but uh, that was at the game night, my game night this past week. And Megan played it, but I didn't play it. So that's good to know. Maybe, maybe we can play it tonight on Board Game Arena. Tom says his daughter was born four weeks ago. That's wonderful, Tom. Congratulations. He says life has been, has been crazy since. I was thinking the other day about Libertalia and whether there would be any expansion soon. So, Tom, we are working on something small for Libertalia. Not a big expansion, but something small that I'll reveal in the fairly near future. One reveal that I did send out today is for Rolling Realms fans, I revealed the next realm that we have kind of blurred out on the box that we've shown so far for Rolling Realms Redux, and that realm is Legacy of You. This is the second game that we'll have from Shem Phillips. Um, in our Rolling Realms lineup. And we usually don't do that. We try to say, get you know, a, a wide variety, not have the same publisher, not have the same designer. But uh, it was a case where the fan realm was really well received and we really liked the fan created realm for this. And so we made some modifications, we made some tweaks to it. Uh, we talked to the fan realm designer about it. And so this is a realm that will end up in Rolling Realms Redux, which is a new core set of Rolling Realms that will be released next summer with 12 new realms, 
components to play for up to six players and uh, and room in the box to hold all realms ever printed. And so we've revealed Planet Unknown and as of today, Legacy of You will have realms in the box. Darian points out that uh, that philosophy of retailers saying, you know, we will charge higher prices so you can't just go flip it. Um, uh, Darian makes a good point. He says, I think it's short-sighted that, that for retailers to think that way because you need repeat customers and loyalty. So yeah, I think local stores are all about that loyalty. And uh, yeah, surprising a customer with double the MSRP or higher than MSRP is is probably not going to build that loyalty. I think next time they'll, they'll turn to an online store. Dominic says he's been enjoying Arc Nova on Board Game Arena. I love Arc Nova. I've been kind of holding off on replaying it until the... Um, the expansion comes out in the very near future. Corey says uh, Lorcana is selling out instantly in stores right now. He has one starter deck, but he's only been able to get nine booster packs over the past few days visiting multiple shops. That's actually quite a few, Corey. Um, so the way that we've been playing that I, I think has been a lot of fun for us, and I would recommend it to others too, is that we've, we've played a game and then we've either opened one pack or we've each opened one pack and we've shared the colors within those packs because you can only have two colors per deck in Lorcana. And so opening those packs one at a time rather than opening a bunch of packs all at once has been a lot of, been, we really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed that, that sense of discovery, light deck building, but not an overwhelming number of choices all at once. And we get to discover new cards one by one in that way. Dan says he's been watching For All Mankind on Apple TV. I love that show. Yeah, we're all caught up on that show, Dan. He says, was wondering if you've seen it. I have seen it. Great sci-fi TV set around the first landing on the moon and the divergent timeline if the USSR had gotten there first. Highly recommended. I agree. It's a great alternate history that uh, is also a great, um, I think, teaching tool about actual history and like, because they deal with a lot of things that actually happened in the history and like slight variations on them. But yeah, Dan, I love the show. I think we're through. We've watched all the seasons and I think there are four total seasons, maybe three, total, three or four total seasons so far. And uh, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Solveig recommends Challengers on Board Game Arena. I love Challengers, and I haven't, uh, but uh, for a, a large group opening game, I can totally see that. Yeah, we have some some go-to large group openers on Board Game Arena, and I need to ch add Challengers to that. In fact, I need. I think all of those so far mentioned are on my favorites list, but Forest Shuffle was not, and Challengers actually may not be either. So I'll make a note about those to add them to the list. Valerie has been playing Dead of Winter and Castles on Burgundy and loving both of them. Uh, she'll check out this one as well. Dead of Winter, yeah, I haven't played Dead of Winter in a while. I did play the new Castles of Burgundy recently. It's a really beautiful production and I really enjoyed that. Chad says, uh, Chad, I think last week talked about the, the uh, new campaign on Kickstarter called Joyride. He says it looks like silly fun. A lot of racing games uh, on Kickstarter right now because there's Joyride. I just got Death Road All-Stars. And there's also the Mario Kart themed game. I think it's called Dungeon Kart launched on Kickstarter yesterday. So a lot of those on Kickstarter right now. Matt's, oh, so about uh, MSRP, Lorcana. Uh, Matt says, one of my local small stores is offering MSRP if the customer is willing to open the packs at the local store, but 40% higher if not. Not a perfect solution, but I guess it helps keep it local. Interesting. Okay. I guess stores are really worried about people flipping those packs. Um, that's fine. I, I, it takes a little bit of the joy away from opening the, opening the packs on your own schedule, but I, I can see what they're addressing there, Matt. That, that's interesting. 
I think Corey makes a good point that there will be a wider release of Lorcana in like in mass market stores, I think, on September 1st. And maybe also a, a refresh um, of inventory for local stores as well at that time. I don't know about that. Mark says he's very happy with the announcements this week. Um, oh, yeah. I also sent out an Expeditions newsletter this week. If you, if you, I'm doing something a little bit different with Expeditions and now Rolling Rails Redux where I have monthly newsletters about them. Just kind of short, focused newsletters. I'm not trying to inundate your your uh, mailbox and I, I'll oft, often or also always if I can remember post them on the Facebook group as well for that accompanying game but yes I had a newsletter for expeditions this past week where I mentioned that uh, playtesting for the expansion is coming along well uh, what else did I talk about that um, I talked about how the shipment the second shipment of the ironclad edition and which is at the same time as the playmat that's on the way, I think it should be here in about two weeks, here being St. Louis. It might arrive at slightly different times at International Fulfillment Centers. And uh, Mark mentioned the, the Tapestry Revised Civs, Capital Cities, and Rolling Realms. Yeah, Mark was excited about all the different announcements this week. I don't know if I announced anything new about Tapestry this week, but I think Mark was just excited that, that we are, are getting a little bit closer on the Tapestry um, final revised civilizations, the 31 civilizations and the two capital city mats, those will, uh, those are in production now, kind of late stage production at this point. Chad says he's also really interested in another Shem Phillips design called Storm Raiders. Shem is quite the prolific designer. I'm so impressed by, by how many games he creates and yet how much quality and attention he puts into each of his games. Um, Chad says the, the theme and look of Storm Raiders is so engaging. Yeah, let me, I see some other comments about Lorcana. Let me come back to that in a second. Let me see if there's anything I need to focus on that's really important or fun about Stillmire games. I have some topics, but they're they're not uh, anyone here to hear anyone who is here to hear brand new Stillmire games news. I don't think I have anything other than um, the the very recent uh, e newsletters for Expeditions and for today for Rolling Realms. So I'll jump around for with my random topics after I. Focus on what you're saying. Actually, let me do this. I, let me throw out today's question of the day so you can start thinking about that and maybe replying. Um, and maybe I'll talk about MSRP tomorrow. I mean, that seems to be a hot topic. So I'll make a note, note about that, about MSRP. But uh, my question today was about continuing education and professional development, which is something that isn't on my mind very often. It's something that I have thrown out to my coworkers. I've said, you know, if you ever see something that you want to learn more about, we will support you as a company. We'll support your time. We'll support that financially. If you want to continue learning about something and if that education costs money or time, we're there to support it. But it recently, and so that's kind of a passive way of approaching this, right? Um, I think it's a good start, but I think it could be better. And I was reminded of this while watching the second season of the show, The Bear, recently. And a main theme of the season, I, they don't really overtly say it, but it's pretty clear in terms of the way the episodes are structured, is that the the owner of the bear, um, Carmen, kind of figures out what each of his coworkers needs, um, or at least what he thinks they need. And he does a pretty good job of it. And uh, in terms of professional development, so he sends like one person to... Uh, to to a, uh, a culinary school, someone who has grown up in the kitchen but never has formally gone gone to culinary school, sent one person to that. He sent another person to Copenhagen to learn some really refined skills from a professional chef. He sent someone else to like the best restaurant in Chicago, and 
it was really like a moving part of the episode because he, he was behind the scenes. He was able to figure out what each of these people needed. And I try to think about my coworkers' needs and what, what can help them grow and develop and, and be happy and, and fulfilled in their job here at Stillmeyer Games. But it was just a good reminder watching the show that I was like, wow, he, like, he really thought about this. And he really pushed them to, um, and he enabled them and pushed them to make their lives better and make their, make their professional careers happier and, and, and better for the customers that they're ultimately trying to serve. I thought that was really cool. It's not something that I think about all that often, but I want to write a blog post about continuing education and professional development. And I just wanted to see if you have ever had any good experiences from your own impetus or from a, uh, a coworker or boss um, helping you get there and helping you learn more. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that while we're also talking about MSRPs and Lorcana. So Corey says that his local store had a Lorcana event and they even started a weekly league. That's awesome. I think Fortuna Games here in St. Louis is doing the same thing. Um, Corey says if some stores are jacked up are, are jacking up the prices to start, I think they could be hurting themselves long term. Yeah, that's similar to what Darian said. I agree. Brandon says plant another campaign of sleeping guides and it reminded me of your open world game in development. How's it coming? I work on it every day, Brandon. Um, it's uh, it's. It's a, it's a labor of love. It's a big labor of love, and I'm still having a blast with it. Uh, yeah, it's coming along well. It's it's just a, it it is a truly truly massive massive game, um, and I've kind of capped it at this point. I I have let it get bigger and bigger, and I have reached the point where I'm like, I can't let this get any bigger, or I'll never finish it. So I've capped it at how big it it currently is, and I'm just. Um, really filling out and designing each of the, the the many, many cards in the game right now. I look forward to talking about that more in detail soon. Although you did remind me of something that I needed to note about it um, that I thought of while listening to a podcast today. I still, even while I, I am working on, on, on the game, I'm still learning more about open world games because I, I want this to be really the ultimate tabletop open world game. Nathan is... He says, I'll be happy to wear a Stomar Games polo. I wear one every day while teaching, so it'll be fun to sneak some more board games into the classroom. And that was one of the reasons I think people asked for it, Nathan, that people want a way, a reason to wear a slightly nicer shirt um, because that's what they have to wear at work um, that has a Stomar Games logo or insignia on it, which I think is wonderful that people were thinking of that. So I'm glad to hear that. Steve says, uh, Great Western Trail is on Board Game Arena. That's true. I think that's probably a nice implementation of it. I, Great, Great Western Trail can be a little fiddly on the tabletop, um, but I'm sure Board Game Arena uh, automates that really well. Trishul says, hope you give Biddy the attention he needs to stay happy for a, a little while longer. I'm trying. I'm trying, yeah. He, he doesn't always want my attention, but when he's open to it, I give it to him. Trishul says, we lost a friend's dog of 12 years this past weekend to old age. It can be a tough decision sometimes. I'm sorry to hear that, Trishul. I really am. Um, and this is the first time that I've ever had to face this decision. I've never had, I've had Biddy for 16 and a half years now. And, and I, I hadn't had a pet before that where I had to make this decision about it. So I'm, I'm really just trying to focus on his happiness and comfort and quality of life. I see little things kind of going downhill. His weight has very clearly gone downhill. At times in his life, Biddy has been as heavy as 20 pounds, which is too heavy. Now he's only 10 pounds, so he's, he's really, really light. But he is eating a little bit. Um, he's, uh, he's His hips are, are a little off. I can tell he's he just doesn't have the strength 
in his in his back legs that he's that he once does but he can still jump up and down off things um short things but he can still do that so i'm kind of just keeping a very close eye on him and to, to determine when that decision needs to be made yeah Joshua says, checking in from the hospital before we bring home our second son today. Congratulations, Joshua. That's wonderful. Another, another little baby coming into the world. Tom mentioned one earlier as well. Uh, Joshua says, I know you don't usually play solo, but have you played Scoventeer? I haven't, but I, I love the idea of Scoventeer because it was designed by Morton, who runs Automa Factory. Um, Joshua says, I just got my copy after having playtested two years ago. The art and components really help with the immersion into the theme. They're amazing. Plus, the game is very fun and challenging. I need to try it. I need, of all the solo games, I need to try that one because I want to support Morton and what he's created here. Josh says, what's my ink color of choice? So this is a question about Lorcana. And Lorcana, when you're, when you're playing, building the deck, you need two different colors in that deck. There's six total colors to choose from. I definitely like blue. Unfortunately, Megan also likes blue. Uh, the way blue blue is kind of a, a color that speeds up your deck a little bit, a little bit like green in Magic, and it's also card, uh, not entirely card draw, but there is uh, a, a little bit of. Actually, no, sorry. Purple is the card draw. Gray has some card draw slash manipulation where you're drawing and then discarding, a little bit like red in Magic, and uh, blue. The other thing blue does is that it is heavy on the lore. So lower cost characters have lots of lore on them. Lore is the way that you win the game. So I'm definitely, I really love blue. Um, currently my deck is purple and gray because Megan has the blue, but I'd love for it to someday be purple and blue if I can do that. Dwayne says, have I watched the premiere of Ahsoka yet? Is that how you say it? Ahsoka? Um, we have not, but we're probably going to watch it tonight. Uh, we're really excited about that and the new Star Wars content. Joshua says, I'm looking forward to getting expeditions from his local game store. Amazing to see the expansion progressing so quickly. Do you think doing a pre-order so early is really helping with an expansion ready so soon after the retail release? Will this factor into your choice to do pre-order versus launch in future projects? That's a good question, Joshua. I don't think so in this case, because really, um, I, I, I try not to ever really work on, expans on expansions until the game is released. I might have some ideas. I'll drop some down some ideas. But I really want to see what people who have actually played the game want out of it. What do they want more of? What do they want to be a little different, a little better? I really take that feedback into question. Like, I think that's a great reason to think about expansions. Um, how can we make this game even better, basically, right? And so I need the real game out there in the world before I can do that. And that is whether it's a game that we launch, that we pre-order, that happens regardless. It's all about when people actually get the game and start to play it. Um, it also impacts, I, another factor here is how complex the expansion is. And I, for this expansion, I'm taking a little bit of a, of a nod from Invaders from Afar from Scythe, which was a small, more stuff expansion. And so there, there is a little bit of new stuff in the Expeditions expansion, so it's a little bit different than that, but we're not going huge. Like if we wanted to design a Rise of Fenris style expansion, there's no way that I could do that. Uh, design and develop that within, you know, three, four or five months. That would take much longer than that. So I think that's that's part of the factor. And as Joshua mentioned, the retail release date for uh, for Expeditions is coming up on September 22nd. Uh, it's a little bit later than we would usually have it compared to when pre-orders have shipped. But part of it is that we had to have this second wave um, to make sure that retailers had all the copies of the game that they actually wanted. So 
rather than short retailers on release day, which you probably heard some complaints about that with Lorcana, retailers getting less than they hoped they would get. Um, we're giving retailers everything they wanted, but it just takes a little bit longer to make sure that that can actually happen. We'll see how retailers respond to that in the near future. Ian says, with school in full swing and volleyball coaching season starting this week, I haven't had the time to game much lately, play games, but my wife and I learned my little side this weekend and we both really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure how my wife would take something so different than she normally enjoys. Yeah, it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely different, but I'm glad you gave it a chance. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad that you're learning it in advance before you bring it to your students. I think that's really helpful. I think a lot of these games that we've been donating to schools, I'm a little cautious, a little worried that the teachers are just going to throw the games at the students and say, here you go, play these games. I think the best format is if the teacher really helps the students get into the games. And Ian, I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing that. Chad says, any good plans for this weekend? Chad says his adoptive son will be visiting his home for the first time this weekend. That's really, really exciting, Chad. Because he's older, he's 18 months, we need to have a few visits so his transition will be as smooth as possible. That makes perfect sense. And that's, that's so exciting. I'm so excited for you, Chad. We have nothing nearly that exciting this weekend. Um, I have a, a friend is hosting a Midsommar uh, 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 dinner and then movie, the movie Midsummer. Or mid, I'll say Midsummer. I think this correctly is saying it is a little bit different. Even though we're past the summer sol solstice, he has been wanting to do this for a while. We're probably going to play some more games. We're going to play through, hopefully, a game or two of the Lost Ruins of Arnak new campaign expansion. Really excited about that. And... Probably play some disc golf, maybe do some outdoor yoga. A few of those things I think are on the docket. Again, nothing even close to comparison to having your adoptive son arrive for the first time. And soon you can just call him your son, Chad. That, that's an exciting uh, a turn of phrase that you can start to say whenever you're ready to start saying that. Uh, Tim also asked if we watched ah Ahsoka yet. Not yet. We'll watch it tonight. Looks like I'm about 10 minutes behind on comments. Sorry about that. You're going to get a 10 minute delay. I'll try to speed up here. Garrett says, will the monthly newsletter be next week or September 6th? It'll be on September 6th this month, Garrett. So uh, next week, I might do a little tease about what we're going to reveal on September 6th. But September 6th is the next e-newsletter. Hey, Jordan says, uh, first time he's been able to join live as he got home unexpectedly today. Hopefully that wasn't a bad unexpected, Jordan. Um, he says, now that I'm here, I just want to say how much I appreciate your engagement with the community and your fan base. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I'm honored that you all show up for these from time to time or show up later on YouTube. That's that's fun, too, to see the comments there, even though they're not live. Jordan says, I, I always love how you gave your customers an inside look at how you operate your business and the continued support for your games is fantastic. Overall, I appreciate you and that and all that you do for the gaming community. That means the world to me to hear, Jordan. That's what I strive to do. I know I don't accomplish it every day, but that you see what I'm trying to do means a lot to me. Uh, thank you so much for saying that. Mike says The Bear, the TV show I was talking about a few minutes ago in terms of professional development, uh, which is it's not a professional development show. It's a fiction, fictional show about running a restaurant. Uh, Mike says The Bear is so darn good. The actor who plays Neil has a restaurant close to where I live. That is amazing. That is really neat. I didn't know that one of the actors on the show actually has a restaurant. That is really cool. Kevin says I was able to play a three-player game of Wandering Towers. Uh, from capstone this weekend it's such a fun game i hope to teach and spread the expeditions love the next two weekends thank you for teaching i really appreciate that and that's great that you you've been enjoying this wandering towers game i've seen ads for it from capstone but i haven't heard much else about it from reviewers so i'm glad to hear you're having fun with it Corey says recent games that he's been playing are cats and boxes from smart games cause 
Cosmoctopus from Lucky Duck Games, Thrive from Adam's Apple Games, Downforce from Restoration Games, and Dr. Eureka from Blue Orange Games. I think of those, I've only played Downforce, but I love Downforce. I think it still might be my favorite racing game, even as good as Heat is. I think Downforce is just a little bit easier to get to the table, um, which does factor into my decision. So, uh, yeah. I do love, I, I love some downforce. Tom says, do the Wingspan fan cards include gameplay elements or are they just simply art? So they are full Wingspan cards. They're all cards that have already been in the game. We didn't want to make new mechanical gameplay cards and have people want like, want, I mean, the, we didn't want people to, to feel like they were missing out on something if they didn't want the fan art, fan art cards. So they're all cards that are already in the game, but they are full cards that have fan art on them. 255 of them. I'm so excited about that. We'll be talking about that more in September leading up to what I think will be an early October launch of that product um, for the Wingspan fan art cards. So I'll, I'll talk more about them soon. Matthew says, mentorship is ex extraordinarily important as you need a leader to emulate, one with empathy, compassion, and acknowledgement of individual needs and struggles as well as vision and growth. People will stay with the company if the person they report to them respects them, which then translates to better outcomes in your instance, better games, and then more support in the community. Matthew, I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, and so I guess it looks like you're leaning into the, um, when I talk about professional development and continuing education, education I often mean uh, 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 linking my coworkers with external sources of of development and education what you're saying is a great point that mentorship from within is important too that uh that i can help coach and and lead my team as well and lead individual members of my team to become better versions of the, themselves as well and that is a great that's a great point that's a that's a really excellent point patrick says where do we find the jamie podcast list uh, there are two different places. So there's there's the podcast version of our blog, which is just me reading the blog post and and uh, putting them. Uh, Joshua, so someone a helper puts them on a blog. You can see that link at the bottom of every blog post um, over the last like year. Before then, it won't have that link, but at the bottom of every blog blog post. If you want to see other podcasts that I have been on recently, uh, you can check out those on go to our website and go to i think it's about and then staff and then jamie it's under uh, my listing under the staff you can find all those podcasts i was on some podcasts recently none of which have been, gone live yet one was with roberto roberto sorry roberto i need to drink some water here um roberto had a podcast recently he included me uh his channel is i'm blanking on it right now but let's see if i can look it up Sorry, Roberto, if you're watching this, forgetting the name of your podcast. Uh, it's about, here we go. Sheer Boredom is his, is his YouTube channel. Um, I had that chat, that hasn't gone live yet. I hosted a chat with, uh, with a guy named Gary, who is a vision-friendly expert um, that will go live on YouTube in a few weeks. And then I had a chat with Elizabeth Hargrave, which is not a public chat. It was a private chat about Wingspan stuff future of wingspan stuff so that was just a fun chat that we had but that won't go live either um but i need to make a note about that let's see mark says do you think there would be a printed version of the compiled journal entries for expeditions um currently we don't plan on doing that mark uh but it is possible that we'll have that someday i think the 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 best case 
the most likely case is that if Jakob releases an art book someday, that they will be in that art book. So Ian's talking about continuing education. Uh, great answer here. Ian says, during my second year of teaching elementary education, I knew I was going to have to take some classes to renew my teaching license. So I decided to dive in and get my master's. I took the slow road, one class per semester for five years uh, so, I could con so I could concentrate on each class individually. During my second year of master's, we got, a new reading, got new reading programs and decided to get my reading teacher emphasis. Emphasis. I had great support from my leadership team and teammates. I received my master's in May of 2022. Congratulations on that. It was such a great feeling to have accomplished it. And I brought a lot of my learning into my classroom and have seen a lot of growth in reading scores for my homeroom kids over the last few years. That's wonderful. And that it isn't, uh, that, that, it, that it is a way that you could actually apply all that information to uh, the classroom. Um, I think I struggled a little bit. I struggled a little bit looking back at my education and wondering what did I learn that I'm actually applying today? I love that you were able to get that edu education and apply it right away. That's wonderful. Paul is joining us here. Paul, who recently taught some of his friends expeditions. Julie says that the school district where I used to work, each teacher had an annual amount of money to use on professional development, development outside the district. They were supportive of us getting more training. Some form of continuing education was a requirement in our, in our evaluation system. I think that, that's common among education and teaching. They also paid us to run continuing education for our colleagues in the summer. I proposed and led numerous workshops over the years for colleagues on teaching strategies I learned about, and I attended their workshop, workshops as well which were also paid for as attendees. It was a good way to share what we knew with each other and the topics were relevant to what we needed at the time. So you had kind of a sharing of information there. You were learning from them, them from you. I think that's awesome. That sounds really neat. Chad says, I was today years old when I realized that expeditions, the expeditions promo realm highlights the move and gather actions of expeditions. It does, it does indeed. Uh, it has something that didn't end up in the final game, a rondelle, because I designed that realm so early. But um, but I still liked it, so I went ahead and made it anyway. Marlene says, I know you don't watch reviews, so what are the ways you discover what people are thinking about a game you make and what improvements or changes might make for good expansion? Marlene, that's a great question. Um, fortunately, the vast majority of people who post their thoughts about games, thoughts and questions, are not reviewers. There are people who post in the Facebook group or on BoardGameGeek or on our website. Um, People are on Discord. People share their opinions everywhere. So I try to follow as many of those opinions as possible. And on Instagram, there's so many different ways that people post their opinions about our games. With reviewers, I'm specifically talking about people that are reviewing our games as content creators, as media, as journalists. Um, they are sharing their opinions about our games. I respect their opinions, for sure. But uh, because I want, to, I want to say as completely unbiased as possible, and I want them to feel completely is free to say whatever they want to about our games uh, rather than feel like they they have a publisher looking over their shoulder deciding, hey, if they say something bad that we're no longer going to send them a game. I don't want to be that publisher. I don't want to make them feel that way and I don't want to be that person. And so uh, that's why I don't watch reviews. But there's still a ton of content out there. Not content. There's still tons of opinions out there on social media that I consume every day. And also, there's also all the playtesters of our games and our expansions that I learn from on an, on, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Garrett has a long question here. Let's see if I can read through this real quick, Garrett. He says, um, for the question of the day. So he says, I work for a consulting firm where the people are the product. So it's a little outside the norm. But to answer the question, uh, the question was about professional development, continuing ed education. He says, employees are required to set professional development goals. It's like setting a roadmap, 
roadmap for your professional growth. We also, we also have regular monthly meetings with career managers just to discuss progress against those goals. It's a dedicated time to reflect, adjust, and get guidance. Even though there's an emphasis on setting these goals and checking in, there's no strict requirement to hit every goal. It's more about giving employees tangible things to pursue and ensuring both the employee and the managers are in the loop on the areas of focus or things to improve on. There's also a very generous budget to pay for people's time, materials, courses, travel, certifications, etc. I think the critical thing is having these benefits available to employees who want to take advantage of, while also pushing them, um, however slightly, to pursue growth. I think that's a wonderful approach to that, Garrett, and I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I'm going to actually copy and paste that because I, I like what you said there so much. I'll also make a note of what Julie and um, Ian shared about um, being teachers and continuing education as teachers. Corey says that he played My Little Side today with his 10-year-old and had a lot of fun. That's wonderful, Corey. Uh, that's, that's really like a great sweet, um, sweet spot for, for an age group to start playing My Little Side. Carlos says, the best energy for these days. I enjoyed your favorite mechanism video for Disney Lorcana, and it got me thinking about how do you design to ensure that multiple paths of victory are possible? Is that something that at any point you do focus testing, or is that something that emerges from the elements that you design? Part of it is something that I just keep in mind, right? A design philosophy. I want people to have different ways to get to that end game condition, whether it's having the most victory points or in Lorcana, it's having the most lore. Um, but during playtesting, I do ask playtesters, or I often ask playtesters, like, how did you get there? Like, how did you win? What was your winning strategy? Let me know how you did that. And sometimes in local playtests, we'll kind of decide at the table that I'm going to try to pursue this strategy. You're going to try this one. Let's push those, those boundaries of these strategies to see if they are all viable. Um, and so challenging different playtesters to specifically pursue those, a specific path, um, I think is a great way to, to figure out if those paths are viable. You have to build those paths in in the first place. So that's something that just happens, I think, organically during game design, if you're paying attention to multiple paths to victory. Um, but once you have them in place, I think it's still, they still need to be tested to see if they all work. Samson's, I think providing opportunities for those to, to further their education is amazing, but I also think that's important to create opportunities for that new skill or knowledge to be put to use. Yeah, that's a great way to, to, um, summarize what Ian said. Uh, I, I really like that. I'm also going to make a note about um, what uh, Matthew said about um, internal mentor mentorship and healthy challenges. That's a great point. Oh, Paul says, this will likely be the last session I'll be able to attend live since school starts next week for him. Thanks for all your support for teachers. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. And I, I hope the school year goes well for you. You can always join us later on YouTube, but I know it's not the same when it's not completely live. Uh, uh, Chad says, good point about your same son. Um, so Chad is a, adopting an 18 month old. Uh, and I, I say that purely because, um, you know, I, I'm adopted. When I talk about my mom and dad, I say mom and dad. I don't say like they're my, my adopted parents or adopted parents. They're, they're just my mom and dad. Uh, Chad says, it's all just so surreal and new for him. I'm sure when I get more visits in, it'll feel more natural. I'm getting some real imposter syndrome feelings right now. We've all felt that way, Chad. I know this is a big one because we're bringing a new life into your home that you care so deeply about. And you're going to be amazing at it. And you're also going to fail sometimes too, and that's okay. Um, just the fact that you said yes to this little boy is, is a wonderful thing. 
Mark says, will we expect another set of promo realms soon? Uh, so we just released one in August, Mark. So de definitely not this month, but uh, we usually do them every two or three months. Yeah, so fairly soon, but not in early September. Carol is dropping in. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you too, Carol. George says, did you watch the uh, disc golf tournament this past weekend? Really cool course, but bummer. It's only a temporary course. Oh, I didn't realize that was a temporary course. Are you talking about the tournament that, that was on this past weekend, George? I, I didn't realize that was a, just a temporary course. It looked awesome. Tim is curious about Death Roads All-Stars, the game that I need to open and punch, and I, I will play this tomorrow. Um, he says he's a Eurogamer through and through. Oh, and compared to Vendetta Fury Road, which I have not played, um, but he loved the fun chaos of Vendetta. Uh, Julie says, my sister had an interesting continuing education experience working at a marketing firm years ago. They sent her to an improv class early on because some improv principles and an ability to think on your feet actually applied to their work. It was a fun and unique experience that also benefited her work. And that reminds me a lot of what happens in this season of The Bear, Julie, that these aren't, they weren't always things that the employees thought they needed or would have thought that they needed or would have pursued without their boss essentially saying, this is what you're doing. And then when they actually did it, they were like, oh, wow, this is this is what I really needed. And of course, because of the TV show, every one of them worked out perfectly. I'm, I don't think in real life it always works out that way, but um, but it did in the, in the show. It was pretty neat to see. And that's neat to hear about your sister as well. Simon says, after you passed on Terracotta Army as a publisher, I played it, I enjoyed it, just didn't think it was a great fit. Um, what other games still made it to retail via a different publisher? What other games still made it to retail via a different publisher. Simon, I may not completely understand the question. Are you asking like what other games have we passed on that have also been published by other publishers? Um, Anachrony is probably the most famous one. Uh, what are some other ones? There, there have been a few other ones. I'm blanking on them right now. If I think of any more that I, I, will, I will let you know, yeah. Sam says, got a, uh, wants to leave in a fun question. If you were a disc golf disc, what would be your stats and why? I'll look for the answer when I listen to the YouTube video. That is a fun question. So disc golf discs, one of the cool things about discs is that they all have different uh, flight patterns on them. Like if you release the same exact, or if you release different discs at the exact same angle, some discs might curve right, some discs might curve left, some discs might start left but end right, some discs might stay fairly flat. Um, and so the stats are like stability, uh, speed. I don't even know all the stats on them. Uh, so they're either understable, overstable, and they have a speed on them. I think they have a weight on them as the other number. Um, in terms of stability, yeah, let me answer that in terms of stability. Uh, that's tough. I try to be stable. I try to be consistent and stable in terms of like how I treat customers, how I engage with my coworkers. But I definitely have moments of weakness and moments of, uh, of uh, periods where, I, you know, I read something and I'm like, ah, oh, that really, that really gets under my skin. Um, so I would say I'm um, somewhat stable and I want to be more stable in that way. Not that, not that stability is necessarily the best trait to have. I think it's okay to be, to have... Uh, uh, Moments of unpredictability and instability. I think that's I think that's healthy and good, and to be able to deal with those moments, um, and not just deal with them. 
I'm just rambling now, but uh, not just deal with them, but also embrace them, uh, I think can be a wonderful thing. Fun question, Sam. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm a slightly, slightly understable disc. We'll go with that. Uh, George, so George says it's a toboggan course for skiers in the winter. Oh, I love this. That's what we played on in uh, when we were in Jackson Hole, actually, or, or outside in the Grand Tetons recently. We played on a disc golf course built into a ski slope. He says it's only available during warmer months. Love seeing uh, blank in case someone hasn't seen it. Someone won so late in his career. Which player do you like the most right now? You know, I love seeing, I, I, I like seeing Own do well. I, I generally root for Own. Cat uh, Mersh is fun to watch. Her style of play. I also really like um, Ella Hansen. I love her forehands. I, lo I love forehand players because I that that's that's how I uh, play. Um, Gossage Gossage is a forehand player that I enjoy watching. Big Germ, of course, I'm always rooting for Big Germ. Simon, I do root for. I like Simon. I like Eagle. I think Eagle does really creative things on the course. I, I like seeing disc golfers do creative things when they're throwing, like not taking the predictable route but doing something. A little bit out of the ordinary. Chris Jones does some things like that as well, too. Yeah, those are a few. I, I root for a lot of different people in different circumstances. Sometimes I end up rooting for the underdog. Sometimes I really like someone to just pull away and, and dominate a course. Um, like Tatar. Tatar can, can, can do that on, on most, most days. It's fun to see her do that. Let's see. Chad says, I appreciate a recent video from the Board Game Design Lab. He coined the phrase Leacock's Law, which is basically when you think... You are 80% done with a game. You still have 80% to go. Have you experienced this? I have. Yeah, I mean, that's oftentimes the toughest part of game design. And one of the best times, I think, to have a partner. If you have a design partner, that's a great time to lean on them a little bit. Because when you've gotten a game where, where it's functional and fun, I mean, usually that is the point where I enter blind playtesting. And that, that is the second phase of the game design, right? The, the, the entire development process, the blind playtesting process, where... It, when you think the game is 80% done, but really there's so much more work to be done at that point. 80% of the work is still to be done. Yeah, I, I definitely find that to be true. Garrett says, I, this reminds me of the manager adage that something like 10% of your time, 10% of your people take 90% of your time. I wrote about that in a, I think, somewhat crass way years ago when I talked about firing customers, which is a post I think I've left live. I, I don't entirely love that attitude of, I don't, I don't love that attitude of firing a customer. But the idea is that sometimes there are some customers that don't even take 90% of your time. There are some customers that take so much of your time and are kind of maybe even abusing um, the, the kindness of some publishers and some companies that it is not worth continuing to work with those customers, which is kind of an odd thing, right? That, that you want to make every customer happy, but sometimes you just can't make everybody happy. And sometimes those customers will take so much of your time and energy away from the customers that aren't uh, taking, taking away all that time and energy that, uh, that it might be a little better to cut those customers. It's a somewhat controversial approach, but, uh, but it plays off of what Garrett's saying here a little bit. Kevin says, I arrived a bit late. Do you have a few seconds to talk about the new Rolling Realms box? So, Kevin, the Rolling Realms Redux is a new core set of Rolling Realms that we announced a few months ago. It is basically just, it, it's a completely new core set of Rolling Realms that has eight, uh, not eight, 12 new realms in the box. And the box is designed to be big enough to hold all realms that we've ever printed and will ever print, hopefully. Um, and I've been revealing the new realms in this, in this box one by one. Unlike the original Rolling Realms, uh, which had all games inspired by Stonemaier games, this box includes 
all games not published by Silmar Games. So the first two revealed have been Planet Unknown and Legacy of You are the two that we've revealed so far. It'll be coming out next summer and month to month we're revealing the new realms. There's a page on our website where you can sign up to get those monthly updates if you are curious about what will be revealed next in about a month from now. Corey says, you think you're 80% done, and then you talk to Josh Gilbertson for a manufacturing code and, quote and realize you're only 30% done. Yeah, self-publishing is a whole other beast if you're talking about percentages. Okay, a few quick topics today. Uh, I had a fun playtest with a game that I've been working on with someone else. I had a playtest on Monday. I have a meeting today with some people about uh, a game, potential game design. Um, being very vague here, but I, I need to be a little vague. Uh, videos I did recently, I did a dice placement video, one of these interview video, videos where it's a top five for me, top five for somebody else. I, did, I posted that on Sunday, uh, as we've talked about today a little bit. Um, actually, no, we haven't talked about this. Uh, did a post about speaking at conventions. Uh, this was a topic that we actually talked about last week, like what has been the most engaging um, presentation or panel that you've attended or participated in. I did a post about about that, about your comments on that, which really helped the post. So thank you for that information. Also, also talked about uh, something called the flgsstore.com or flgstore.com, uh, which is a way for smaller publishers typically to consolidate their products into a single store for retailers to buy from, not consumers, but for retailers to buy from in the same way that retailers buy from distributors. Um, that was a really neat post. And since then, I've added to that post about QM Direct, which is a service that Quartermaster uh, Fulfillment Service uh, offers that's similar to this, and also a service in Europe called Meeple's Distribution that does something similar as well. What else? Uh, played a digital game this past weekend called Wild Frost. I have a video about that coming out tomorrow. It's a roguelike deck building game similar to Slay of the Spire, but with some neat twists from Slay of the Spire. So I'll talk about that tomorrow in a video. And I went to the Botanical Gardens this past weekend, played disc golf this past weekend, as we had this heat in St. Louis approaching. Saturday was beautiful. Sunday was starting to get hot. This week has been really, really hot in here in St. Louis. And yeah, I think those were all the, the, main, the main topics. So tomorrow's blog post, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'll decide between professional development and price gouging, I guess, and, and different thoughts about, about MSRPs and local stores and that topic. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one that I wasn't expecting to talk about that much today, but uh, it seems like it's on people's minds right now. Patty says that she's looking forward to the Planet Unknown Realm. She says, I still don't have the game waiting on Kickstarter fulfillment. Um, I've heard that's the case for many people waiting for that game, Patty. I'm sorry about that, but uh, but I love the game. I, I have a friend who was fortunately got it in, in an early wave, and we've been loving it ever since. Carl says, I've started a wingspan group and and open invited people in several local Facebook groups. That's great. Thank you for starting that, Carl, taking the initiative to start that. He says he watched my How to Teach Wingspan video and enjoyed it. Any tips for teaching lots of strangers the game, especially at various levels of board game experience? We had 15 the first night and seven to eight were new players. With that many players, I would highly suggest using the Swift Start Guides. Um, so I would explain the core basics of the game and then have everyone use those Swift Start Guides because that way you can actually lead a bunch of people all at once. And once people start to catch on to how the game works, they can, they can really follow those instructions on the Swift Start Guides without leaning on you and they can help out each other a little bit. So definitely, Carl, if you have a group that big, I would use the Swift Start Guides that we've included in Wingspan. Paul says, as you know, I taught some of your games over the weekend for a fundraising event and they went, all went over very well. I'm so grateful for you doing that, Paul. 
He says, um, one of my favorite things is that the games are simple to teach yet full of depth. That's what I'm aiming for. Oh, and that's the question. Is that a deliberate choice? They're more accessible or is it simply just how you enjoy your games? It is absolutely a deliberate choice. And it's also how I enjoy my games. I think onboarding is incredibly important for getting games to the table because so many times we play games. I just, Carl was talking about this a second ago. We, even though Paul, you may have played a game a number of times, many of the times that you probably play it, you will be teaching someone new or someone will be playing it for the first time. And so I think having games that allow for easy onboarding where taking your first turn is fairly low stakes, fairly easy to do or very easy to do really. Um, and kind of letting you lean more into the strategy as you play and having the game guide you a little bit in terms of strategic paths that you can take. I love that about games. I love having that depth once you are ready to dive deep into it. But being able to just take a few turns is very simple. Uh, we really, really try to focus that on that in our games, that onboarding process. I say we, but yeah, it's, it's something that I focus specifically on and it's a philosophy at Stonemaier Games as well. Gary says, random question, maybe a year or two ago, you mentioned that you had a Zoom call with someone that you couldn't believe you had the chance to talk to, but couldn't say who. Do you remember this? And if so, can you reveal who it was? Huh. Who could that have been? There have been some, I've had some incredibly lucky conversations like that. Um, the one I'm thinking that might have been was Reiner Knizia. Um, he had, he was pitching a game to Stamar Games, which was very surreal, which is probably, yeah, this is probably what it was. Um, he was pitching the game to us, and I got to have a live chat with him and, and one of his his business partners, and it was really cool. It wasn't a good fit for Stamar Games, but uh, but it was surreal and really amazing to speak to someone uh, like uh, of his of his uh, level of achievement in the game gaming space, knowing that one of my favorite games, Raw, was designed by this guy that I'm talking to uh, halfway around the world. Uh, on live live chat. So I'm guessing that was probably it. I've had many other pinch me moments like that though. I'm trying to think if there is one, if there is one that is outside of the gaming hobby that tied into board games somehow, but I, that one's not coming to mind off the top of my head. Uh, JB says, not a board game, uh, disc golf related question. Totally fine. Yeah. I was watching a video of professional disc golfer, Eagle McMahon. Yeah. Eagle's awesome. As a greeting, he was saying, what is up when people in the UK usually say, what's up? Is what is up an expression from Colorado where Eagle is from, or is it a disc golfer expression? That might be an Eagle thing or Colorado thing. I say, what's up? What is, what is up? Yeah, it seems uh, the contraction is just more convenient. I say, what's up? I, I, yeah, I think that might be an Eagle thing. Valerie says, Stomar game rule books are always amazing. I don't even know if I can agree with that, Valerie, but I appreciate you saying that. I always try to make them amazing, but I'm also always seeing little ways to make them better. Um, Valerie is very complimentary here about it though. She says, always well-written and very clear. They are written in logical order while keeping new players in mind. That is the intent for sure. Valerie says, it's something that always blew my mind. Some other games are highly strategic and complex that the rules are logical and somewhat simple. Kudos. Thank you, Valerie. I really appreciate that. We do put a lot of work and effort into it. It, it breaks my heart a little bit every time someone says, the rule book is terrible. The rule book is confusing. I hear that. I'm trying to learn from that. Uh, when people say that, and hopefully they can add something more constructive and specific so I can learn from it. But um, it also means something because of the time and effort we put into it when I hear something like what you said there, Valerie. So thank you for saying that. Mark says, would you consider an unlock crossover for some Stolmeyer Games titles? Hmm. Maybe, maybe, 
Maybe. Yeah, it, it, it would be, it would have to be something that would not take our time, but it's something that I could still support. Um, and something that would be respectful of the brand that they are using on, in Unlock. Uh, so maybe, yeah, yeah. And Chad says, adding to the rulebook comment, thank you for making the exped Expeditions rulebook the size that you chose. It's so much easier to use during a game. This is something, thank you, Chad, that, for noticing this, that we've moved towards starting with Libertalia, I think was the first rulebook that we did with this, where we used a smaller size. I believe the size is 180 by 240 millimeters, um, which is a size that basically is small enough that you can keep it on the table while you're playing. So you can easily reference the rulebook while you're playing. You, you don't have this giant rulebook like some of our games have, like Tapestry, that is tough to physically put on the table while you're playing. So that is definitely the goal with Expeditions, and we're doing that with all of our games. I think Libertalia was the first one, and it was a little bit too narrow. It could have been a little bit bigger. It worked out with Libertalia because that doesn't have many rules. But um, but we've, we've made it just slightly wider. Still definitely small enough to fit on your table while you're playing. Nick also said he likes the rulebook size. This is something that we took from Plat Hat Games. I want to give them credit. Plat Hat Games is someone who did that, started doing that, and the Cardboard Herald, Jack, at the YouTube channel, the Cardboard Herald, which I highly recommend, he noticed it and highlighted it on his channel. I was like, that's a great point. I never thought about the value of being able to keep the rulebook on the table while you're playing. And once he said that, I was like, okay, we're switching everything to that. That makes perfect sense. Um, we're doing it. Yeah. I think I've covered all the topics today. I just got a reminder pop up on my calendar saying that Ahsoka is now available. I think it was actually available last night, but um, we went out to dinner last night, so we didn't we didn't watch any TV last night. We went to a nice local restaurant with uh, some friends and uh, some friends who were actually in Jackson Hole and in uh, the Wyoming Idaho area a week before we were, completely coincidentally. So we uh, we compared notes and stories from their trip and our trip, uh, which was fun to do. Thank you all for joining me today, for talking about Lorcana and MSRP, for talking about professional development, continuing education, and rulebooks and all the other topics that we that come up on these conversations. I really genuinely enjoy these chats, and thank you for taking the time to, uh, to, to hang out with me today. And if you're watching this in the future on YouTube, thank you for taking the time to watch there. Post a comment, let me know what you're thinking. I definitely want to hear what you're thinking. I follow those comments, even though they're not live. I, I, I read every one, so I look forward to seeing your, your thoughts there as well. Hope you all have a good week. Take care. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.